This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we're based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 20th to the 26th of February. I'm Ezie Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm pleased to welcome back expert astronomer and astrophotographer, Charlotte Daniels. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Uh, It's always a pleasure. So, Charlotte, what are your recommendations for the coming week? Lovely. So we're looking to uh, from the 20th to the 26th of February now, and we are finally in new moon territory. So we are still able to make the most of our comet C22E3ZTF, or as we like to nickname it, Comet E3. Um, We still have time to appreciate it before it starts to fade too much. So let's start with that. So the comet by this stage will be more or less parallel to Orion's bow. So as you look to the right of the main constellation of Orion and his belt, you'll have this curved line of stars that represent Orion the Hunter's bow. And they're each called the Pi stars. And there's six of them from Pi 1 to Pi 6. Comet E3 will be making its way down this line of stars parallel to it from 20th of February onwards. And by the 21st of February, if you drew a line from Bellatrix in Orion across to the third star in the bow, Pi 3, the comet will be slightly up and to the right of Pi 3 in the evening. So that's a really nice way of being able to track it. I do love to be able to star hop to phenomena. Um, It really does help. And it's nice to see how this comet is transiting the sky throughout the month. So we should be able to still see Comet E3 through binoculars. So do try and track it before it gets dimmer and moves further south and out of our sight. 
So as I say, the great thing is we are going to be having a new moon on the 20th of February. So not only will this help us to locate Comet E3, but it also really helps us find those faint and fuzzy deep sky objects that can be tricky at the best of times, especially if you don't have a go-to mount that helps you locate things and tells you something's there and then lets you dark adapt your eyes and you, you have like faith that it's found it for you. So the new moon is a great opportunity to get down to some good old-fashioned observing time. And I'm not just talking about nebulae, which is what we all start thinking about when we think of deep sky ob objects. And you want filters and lots of bits of kit and patience. But I'm also thinking what star clusters will be nice, as these are beautiful objects to appreciate with binoculars, small telescopes, or even naked eye, if you're lucky enough to have good low bottle skies or live near a dark sky site. It also helps if these clusters are nice and high above the horizon, so because um, it helps keep them clear of light pollution and makes them easier to spot. Now, you did mention uh, low Bortle skies there. So for any of our listeners who haven't heard of that, the, the Bortle scale is a way of um, quantifying... I suppose, how dark your skies are. So basically, if you live in the middle of London or Japan, it would be like a Bortle 9 sky. Whereas if you lived in the middle of the Scottish Highlands, you may actually get like a Bortle 2 sky, that mythical low Bortle sky that we're all sort of craving and really, you know, we want to do our stargazing in. So yes, your low, your low end of the scale are your pitch black dark skies and the high end of your scale are your city or urban skies. So... On the 20th and the 21st of February, M35 is a great cluster to see. So M35, that's the 35th object in the Messier catalogue. And these Messier catalogue objects comprise star clusters, planetary nebulae, open or stellar nebulae. So you can find M35 just west of the constellation of Gemini, and it will still be pretty high at about 8pm in the evening. Now, it does have an apparent magnitude of just over 5 at 5.3, so technically it's within naked eye limits. But again, I'd at least come prepared with some binoculars, or I'd actually be tempted to pop a camera onto my telescope and take some pictures of this object. It's a lovely diffuse cluster, so not too tricky to pick up, as there's lots of lovely bright stars in M35, and its diameter is about 28 arc minutes long. So there's just over 100 member stars. If you were to observe it, or you were lucky enough to observe it naked eye, it would be a sort of fuzzy, um, fuzzy patch. You wouldn't really get too much um, sort of intricate detail naked eye. That's what your telescope's going to be for. If you did want to take an image, the great thing about clusters is you don't need lots of really long exposures or overly sophisticated, you know, tracking equipment. It's a lovely beginner target. And um, so you can fire off a few short exposures and see just how many different star colours you can pick up there, which will help to denote the age of the stars within the cluster. On Wednesday, the 22nd of February, we'll be at the early stages of a waxing moon. They come around very quickly. And on the 22nd, it'll be about 8% illuminated. So a lovely slim crescent. And if you look towards the west-southwest horizon, about an hour after sunset, we'll be able to see the moon, Jupiter and Venus all huddled close together. And you won't be able to miss them as they're all beautifully bright and easy to spot. So this would be a lovely wide field um, nightscape to capture. 
as Jupiter will be about six degrees above Venus. And we typically say that the width of three of your fingers is about five degrees separation. So that gives you an idea of roughly how close they're going to appear in the night sky. And the moon is going to be nestled nicely in between these objects. Three of Jupiter's Galilean moons will also be visible, all of them apart from Ganymede, which will be behind the planet at that night. So while you're out and about, it would be a shame not to also swing over to Mars, which will be nice and high in the Taurus constellation. And while it's moving away from us and is getting smaller and dimmer to our eyes, it will always make a nice sight when it is coupled close to Aldebaran and nearby Betelgeuse. We mentioned it on last week's show, but uh, Aldebaran is, is a red star and Mars is, is, is red in colour as well. So it's always great to sort of compare those two. And Betelgeuse is also red as well. So absolutely three, three red things. And, and you can compare those in the night sky as well to all of the, the sort of more familiar white and blue stars out there. I think also when you're when you are just starting out in astronomy, you don't always appreciate the sort of different colours you do get in these objects. And then you think once you see them, it's hard to actually ignore how how sort of mm. distinct they are in the night sky and it's just then makes them always quite nice to look out for so it just really helps you to appreciate you know this sort of close grouping of these red objects or these ready orange objects are just going to look really stunning in, in the winter night sky I think. So moving on to Thursday the 23rd through to Sunday the 26th of February. Now the moon will be waxing again, as I've said, and it will be just under half illuminated at about 44% by the 26th. But on the 24th, the sun will set at about just after 20 past five and a little over an hour later at 1845, we will see Jupiter and Venus once again low on the southwest horizon. But this time, I want you to look towards the moon in the southwest and then up to the Pleiades, which will be nice and high above the horizon at about 50 degrees. Now, draw an imaginary line between these two points and roughly in between, close to the southwest at about 44 degrees above the horizon will be Uranus. It's not as bright as these other skyhoggers, such as Venus, but it's there. And it's a really nice <laughs> way to be able to find it. Again, as I say, I love star hopping or finding other objects close to objects. And so once you draw that line, it will be a really nice way of locating this far away mysterious planet that we don't always get to see and appreciate. So um, as I say, it's not as bright and you will need to take some care and time, but this is a night where you will want to bring a telescope as you will need this light gathering aperture to get the best out of viewing this. So keep your eyes peeled for a greenish dot to the southwest, as I say, about 40, I think it was just about 44 degrees above the horizon. And again, Mars will be higher up, just beyond the Pleiades at over 60 degrees altitude. So you'll have this almost line of interesting objects to explore, starting from the slim crescent moon through to Uranus, to the Pleiades, and then finally Mars. So I think that's another lovely little sort of composition to keep an eye out for this week, Ezzy. With those dimmer planets, it is always useful to have a, a something to point your way. So last week we had venus pointing the way to neptune yeah. and this time over towards uranus because they are i believe uh, i can never remember which one it is but one of them is supposedly naked eye if you've got very very good eyesight and a very very yes, dark sight. yeah yeah exactly i think actually it is meant to be um uranus personal experience pop a telescope out i think and uh, and <laughs> and just let it work but do the hard work for you <laughs> Yes, it's like maybe you can see it with your naked eye, 
but uh, probably not from anywhere in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also you'll have a much, much better view if you just look at it through a telescope. Absolutely. But it's always a good opportunity. And I, I think it's always just a great, you know, excuse to look at the Pleiades, which is just a beautiful object any day of the week. It's stunning. Absolutely. So it certainly sounds like there's lots of really interesting things to see in this month's night sky. Uh, starting on the 20th, we've got a new moon, which is going to mean we can see some of those really dimmer and deep sky objects, which is great because Comet E3, the green comet, is going to be moving through Orion this week. So I really can't wait to see some of the, the pictures that are going to come from that because I think those are going to be fabulous. If you do take any, please do be sure to send them in. You can find the details at www.skyatnightmagazine.com. We always love to see your photos. Then on the 20th to the 21st, you can take advantage of the dark skies to take a look at M35, which is a beautiful open cluster. Then on the 22nd, the moon will be starting to come back. It will be a very thin crescent joined by Jupiter and Venus. And if you're out and about anyway, you might as well also go and take a look over at Mars. Then on the 23rd to the 26th to finish up the week, Pleiades, the Moon and Mars are all going to be in the same area of sky and helpfully pointing your way to the dim planet Uranus, which if you've never seen, it's always a great opportunity when you've got those bigger, brighter objects pointing the way. So hopefully you've seen something there that you would like to get out and see there this week. If you did, uh, we hope to see you back here next week. Please do be sure to subscribe. And Charlotte, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. It was great to have you. Um, hopefully we'll see you back again on the podcast soon. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.